0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Well, we are coming to the close of a seven-week series on When Others Need Prayer, I still will never forget the phone call that I received eight weeks ago when the Custer's were telling me that their house and belongings and their families lost everything in the fire in Colorado Springs. And knowing that they're missionaries that do not have a lot and they've given their lives for other people, my heart really went out to them. And so we prayed, we cried a little bit. We really sensed God's presence and that God is in control of everything we can control and whatever he does is righteous and out of his love but you still don't have furniture. You still don't know where you're going to spend the next night. And so there's a lot of challenges there. And the Lord laid on my heart the importance for us to really learn what does he have to say about others when they go through a problem and how do we really pray for them? What I thought might have been a, a two Sunday series turned into three, four, five, six, seven. And some of you are going to say, are we ever going to end on this? Well, I have mixed emotions. Because the Bible is just, from cover to cover, is all about communing with the Lord. And we worship Him by our deeds, of course, but we worship Him in communicating with Him. There's so much about prayer. And yet at the same time, there is a time to bring a series to a close. And Lord willing, if my voice holds out for today, we're going to bring the series on prayer to close today. Now, we've answered a number of questions, and if you weren't able to be here, I fully understand that. And you can get the tapes of any of the messages that were recorded and we answered the question what is intercessory prayer we'll talk about that in a moment what are some biblical examples of intercessors from the old testament and the new testament how did jesus himself pray for us so if we follow his example we'll be praying for others better how did the apostle paul pray when others need prayer you can't get anyone better than paul who is very much like us and yet at the same time we'll pray for others and Who can really intercede? Not everybody. I mean, we can all try to talk to God, but God only listens to the prayers of certain people. And you want to get that tape and see what God has to say about that. And why should we even think about interceding for others? And then we answer the questions. What needs of others are Christians told to pray for? We spent a a little bit of time on that. And the reason we didn't spend a lot of time on that is because Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what we need to pray for others about in a specific way. A lot of examples of others doing it, and so we follow their examples because it's biblical, but there's no real list of commands except just a few. And then last week we covered how do we revitalize our own prayer, and we did it by going through what people often call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer in Matthew. And I hope that uh, you would go through that material and learn as well. Today we're going to answer our last three questions and for those of you i want you to know this is not the only list of questions there could be a whole lot more and i also believe that there are those that are now serious about digging deeper because i might not have even uh answered your question that you still have a little itch that needs to be scratched about prayer so i work with colleen jamison who works and heads up our library with a wonderful team of people that volunteer there And if you'll look in your worship folder, i provided you a list of all the books that we have in our church library on prayer. And uh, I'd like to say this. If you have not been up to our library, I want to urge you to go up there. There are 3,000 books up there. This is not your mother's church library. This is on your Bible college library level. They're beautifully uh, bound. They're beautifully put together in a system where you can check those books out. For you parents, there's a little kitty section in there for the keiki to come, and they can sit, and they can read, and you can go through there. We have a whole third floor with couches and air conditioning and tables if you would like to do some study from our library. There's a computer in there as well, so look at the hours and take advantage of that. And our vision is not to make our library for our people. Our library is God's library for God's people, and anybody who wants to come and will use it in an honorable way, we want them to use that. On the back of your sheet, you're going to have some books that I have in my personal library. And sooner or later, I think they're going to wind up in the church library. But right now, they're in my library because I refer to them so frequently. But if you would like to borrow any of those, you're more than welcome to. And you might even have your own favorite book on prayer that's not even on the list. And the reason it's not on the list is because it's probably not biblical. I'm joking. Relax. I'm joking. I might not know about it. So uh, you could let us know. But take this list. Save it. I will be putting it on the internet uh, for those of you that would like to just keep it in electronic fashion. But I want to launch into the next three questions here so we can bring this wonderful series to a close. And as I do that, I have to tell you, as any teacher, preacher will do, those who prepare, you always learn more sometimes and you have time to give out. And so for me, this has been a wonderful experience with the Lord, learning this material here. So here's question number nine. It says, what needs do we have that request for prayers can be made? Obviously, the series is when others need prayer, but that old camp song still is out there that says, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So there are times that we do need to have prayer for ourselves. When I went into scripture, I began to look at, all right, where does it say that we're supposed to request prayer for ourselves? I couldn't find any major direct commands in that. So there, there is no, all right, here's what you can ask others to pray about for you. But I did find this. I found where Paul himself was requesting prayer. Now, I've selected three because I think these are the easiest and I couldn't find any others, frankly. There may be and they're tucked away in some passage, but these are the three that are so outstanding. And the reason I like these three is because it gives you a little glimpse on the Apostle Paul. Now, some of you that are so new in your journey with the Bible, you might not understand that Paul himself was a Jew who was following God in his own way. And he was so much wanting to do the best he could for God before he became a believer in Christ, he then persecuted Christians. And then God met him on a road to a city that's still alive today called Damascus. And on the way there is when he, quote, met the Lord, so to speak. You can read that in Acts. And from then on, he became hot for God. He was a fully devoted follower of Christ. And God used him to minister to him through the Spirit so that he would then write a lot of the New Testament. And so he was a bold guy. And some of you would call him a type A personality. Some of you might call him a a dominant, directed, determined, doer, Jew kind. Just get that gospel out. He was fearless. And yet as I read his life and all the places he went and the journeys he went and the times he was in prison and all the things that happened to him and he never got down, the thing that really surprised me the most is that he was still a chicken Christian. And what I mean by that is that when he would share the gospel, he knew that he lacked boldness. You would think that he had that naturally, but he lacked it so much that he needed to have others pray for him that God would grant him the boldness to be able to speak the faith. Now, when you hear boldness in giving out the gospel, you might conjure up in your mind some guy with a megaphone on Kalakaua and Waikiki screaming some kind of message about God to other people. And I want you to know that that's not at all what I believe this is talking about. It is talking about that you, with clarity and compassion, you would still be courageous in your communication of the gospel, but you would couch it in the person's need and how to be able to say it in a way that that person will most likely receive it. But you're still fearless in the sense that you don't back down. You do give it as far as that person will perhaps allow you to go. So when I looked at Paul's life, this is telling me that he wasn't naturally bold. He had to have supernatural boldness. And that came when he had others pray for him. So I want to look over these three here in the whole area of communicating the gospel. And maybe there's three here that you could now give to all of your friends that you have, your praying friends, and say, would you pray for me? And here's your list. Now, some of you need a job. Go ahead, give that list out if you want. I don't think that's the biggest one. Paul never asked for more tents to mend. He was a tent maker. Some of you might be ill. There was a time that Paul himself prayed that the thorn in his flesh should be removed. So, yes, you could pray for that. He didn't ask others to pray, though. All right, so all that being the case, he did request these three. The first one is going to be boldness. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the worship folder outline for you. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But I urge you to have a Bible and bring it because I want to be able to go through Scripture with you and have you mark up your Bible so it becomes a tool, not a weapon, but a tool to build you and that God will use that in your life to help you to become like Christ like he's doing and working on me. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and it's coming pretty much at the end of reminding us that our greatest enemy is not going to be flesh and blood but it's going to be Satan using flesh and blood sometimes to come against us especially maybe even to shut down our testimony and close our mouths to presenting the gospel and here's what he says beginning at verse 18 I'll pick it up there then we'll give you the two primary verses in the text it says with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view all what he just said Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So he says, and I love this. He says, don't just pray for me, but I want you to pray for everybody. Especially because of what I just talked about, which is the spiritual oppression. Now he says this in verse 19. And pray on my behalf. If it's your Bible, right above it, write the word intercession or intercessory prayer. That's the whole crux of everything I've been teaching for almost two months is on intercession. And that's really what it is someone else praying on your behalf or you praying on someone else's behalf. Then it says, What? Here's what I need you to pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with, I love it, boldness. What? The mystery of the gospel. Now, that's a verse that you want to own, you want to apply. But I like this. Take your pen for just a moment, if it's yours, and circle the word mouth. Because I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a chain reference to the whole concept of evangelism here. That God would give me boldness to open my mouth. Verse 20. For which I'm ambassador in chains. Let me pause for a moment. We already know he's in chains in the sense that he is incarcerated. In the sense that he does not have freedom of movement to come and go as he pleases. And I'd like us to know that some of you could be in your own form of incarceration. Now, some preachers don't want to make a big deal that you're incarcerated. You're in this bondage of sin and all. And that certainly will stifle any type of evangelism for a believer. But some of you might feel like, I wish I could do more for God if he would just get me out of this. I don't like my boss. I don't like my family. I feel like I'm trapped where I'm at today. And God says, wherever you are, whatever you might feel like you're confined in and that you don't get out of that, you can't get out of that right now. God says that even in that, you can be used of the Lord. And here he says, even in my chains, that in proclaiming it, the mystery of the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's basically saying, pray for me, pray for everybody. There's spiritual oppression, but pray for me that I would open my mouth to present the gospel even though I've got chains and there's a certain element of confinement I can't come and go. Now remember how I mentioned to circle the word mouth? Go to verse 20, you can circle the word speak And then circle it again in verse 20. Speak. Now there are many Christians that really like the fact that I'm going to really be a Christian by my lifestyle. And there is absolutely no way I would ever want to have you not have a lifestyle that's godly and Christ-like. But I want you to know that having a lifestyle of character, kindness, and all the things that would be godly is still not enough to get the gospel out. You can be a really great person. I know unsaved people that have integrity and morality and things like that, but that doesn't mean they're getting the gospel out. So I don't mean don't have godliness. I'm saying it's not enough. True godliness is going to be godliness that also speaks for God. Because that's all connected together. And that's what he's doing here is speaking. So there's a boldness thing. Now I have to tell you that everybody gets scared. I I get nervous when I sit next to someone on the airplane. I'm wondering how do I open this conversation. What is he going to say? How is this going to go with this thing? What's going to happen? I get nervous like everybody else does. But I have found that this verse has spoken to me many times. And if you want to know what you can pray for me, I pray that you would, um, pray that I would be bold. Now watch this. I have spoken in small groups. I have spoken in, sp- smoking, <clears throat> spoken. That's not a Freudian slip. <clears throat> I have spoken in mediocre groups. I have spoken in front of thousands of men, Promise Keeper events, things like that. But I have to tell you, I, I have no fear of crowds. I've been on television with Larry King and others at, at times. I'm not name-dropping. I'm just letting you know that those can be fearful places for a lot of people. That, that does not cause me fear. Maybe because I'm wired for public proclamation. The thing that I do get scared of is sometimes the one-on-one. Now, some of you, you think, oh, he's so confident. He makes quick decisions. He'll tell you anything. I'm going to tell you, I still get scared. I remember when I was in Bible college. Some of you remember this story. I told it maybe a couple of years ago. I knew that I was still a chicken Christian. I wanted to get the gospel, out. but I was scared. I, was a, I worked for a law firm, and I was a legal runner, which means that you take the important papers, the documents, and you run them to the various courthouses. And once you were done, they gave me as a student in Bible college a little bit of time to go have lunch, and I went to this place in downtown Miami. And it was one of those little, I call them greasy spoons, choking pukes, whatever you want to call them, just a dirty old place, but it was a cheap lunch for me. It reminds you of the old show called Alice where it was one long counter and a big mean guy behind the counter. He was the cook. He was the waitress or waiter. He was the one that took your money. He had his hat on. He's dirty and smelly and all this stuff. And I thought, I've got to give him the gospel, but I didn't know how. So I said, Lord, give me, give me courage to do this. So I had my plan. Get my food. Eat my food. Get the little bill or check or whatever you want to call it. Get my money out. Make sure I have it there. Pay him. Leave a tip. And then leave a gospel track. And so I had a track with me. And I thought that's what I'm going to do. It has all the plan of salvation. I can do that much. I can be one of those little silent Christians. Those secret service Christians you know. And leave it for him." The problem was the front of the track says am I going to heaven. And that's not too big of a problem. But I thought what will happen now. So I took the track. I got my meal. Went ahead. Got paid my bill. Blah blah blah. I'm leaving the tip now. And I thought all right. Here's what I'm going to say. Sir, I consider it a real privilege if you'd read this when you have some time. It will tell you how you could know for sure that you're going to go to heaven if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I took the track, and I very kindly slid it across the counter to him. And I was about ready to leave, you know, chicken Christian. So how'd I go? He looked at the track, and he said, wait a minute. And he looked at the track. It was right in front of him, and he looked at me, and he looked at the track, and he looked at me, and thought, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? And then he slapped that track. And he said, go to hell. And he slid it across the counter to me. I didn't know what to say. They didn't tell me anything in personal evangelism classes and Bible college. How you respond to something like that? So I looked at the track and I looked at him and I'm praying for boldness. Then I looked at the track again and I said, go to heaven. And I slid it back across the counter. <laughs> Honest to goodness, that guy did just what you did. It just completely broke him. He laughed. He joked. He picked it up. We got into a wonderful conversation. I can tell you that I don't know that if he trusted Christ as Savior or not. But I do know this. It's not about some great soul winner that I am. I am not. I struggle with it like you do. But I know that my boldness comes when you pray for me and I pray for me knowing that I need that because I need to communicate the gospel. So boldness. Let's go to number two. What else can we request prayer for? And it's interesting because as bold as Paul was to get the gospel out, The biggest things he was asking prayer about were issues that dealt with his own presentation of the gospel. The second would be opportunities. Would you go over to the book of Colossians now? Colossians chapter 4. Primarily verses 2 through verse 4 speak to this. And some even would say all the way to verse 6. I just want you to look at verses 2 and 3 here, if you will. The beginning of verse 2, it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer. Now, I don't have a lot of time to unpack this, but since our whole series is on prayer, I did want you to see that in my Bible it says devote yourself. Some of you it might say give yourself to prayer. I don't know what translation you have, but technically in the Greek it means to be strong towards prayer. It would mean be persevering in prayer. And I thought that was interesting. Persevering in prayer means it's so easy to neglect prayer. Persevering means that you do it when you feel like it. You do it when you don't feel like it. You do it until you do feel like it. Because you are devoting yourself to prayer. I'm going to share with you something I thought about last night. That um, I'm most nervous about during this whole series. And I'm part of what I'm about to say. Please know this. I am concerned that I have spent seven weeks. Seven hours of preaching. On prayer that we will know more about prayer than we did before, but we don't pray any more than we did before. See, I know we're going to know more about prayer because the Word of God went out correctly and accurately and consistently, but I don't know if that truth yet has been allowed to go into our hearts and that we would devote ourselves to more prayer. And folks, um, far be it for me to tell you, look at your schedule. You need to pray more. I'm going to tell you this. There is no way I can ever have time in my schedule to pray. If I told you the things that I did, you know, I may not be at all your events, but I tell you, I put in long days and long weeks and I don't gripe about it. I love it. In fact, I get, I get paid to do this. You're just good for nothing. No, I'm just joking. But anyway, back to this. The biggest thing is simply this that I will never find time to pray. I have to literally look at my schedule and stop doing something so I could do prayer. Now, that's going to take maturity and discipline for all of us. You've got to look at your schedule and say, what, is, what, is, what am I doing that's really good? And stop doing it. So now I can do something that's really great. And that's the beauty of walking with the Lord as you all are connecting to God by yourself. The Lord will speak to you and what you need to do. I can't tell you. I'm not going to put you under legalism and the law. Just the importance of we have to go to the Lord and pray. So devote yourself to prayer. All right, now that being said, let's go back into the passage again. Verse 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer, keep an alert in it with us with an attitude of thanksgiving. That's also an attitude of humility. When you're thankful, you're humble. Praying at the same time for us as well. You can put that word intercession above that again. So in other words, the whole concept of intercession comes into play. And then it says that God will open up to us a door for the word. If you don't have that underlined, you might want to do that. Because what he's saying is, I know that wherever I go, I can reach people. But I want to make sure God opens up the doors he wants me to speak at. Or or walk through. Or to people that I should address with the gospel. So some of you, you're going to go to some of the UH games this, this year. And I don't know what they're going to do this year. But I just want to follow him. Because I think there's a lot of new stuff happening. And a lot of stuff happening. That's all I'm going to say. But I'm going to tell you, you go to a stadium full of people, and who do you talk to? And that's what you have to do, is you have to be ready to say, Lord, will you open up a door? Now watch, this passage says that you would pray for me, that God would open up a door. So do you have your prayer partners or study buddies? And will they pray for you that you would be looking for a door that God would open for you to give the gospel? Now, I think that's one of the more difficult prayers to pray, like boldness. Because if you believe in prayer and you ask God for boldness, what is he going to give you, everyone? Boldness. Got it. If you ask God to open up a door, what do you think God's going to do? Open. open a door for you. And so, what's the big thing about that? That means you've got to use the boldness, you've got to walk through it. Now, whoa, 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 time out. Okay? And that's in this passage. That you would pray for me. That God would open up a door for me. Now, let's go back. It says here, not only did he would open up a door. He says here, So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, there it is again, for which I also have been imprisoned. Here we go again. No matter what trappings you might feel like you're in, you can't get out of your your homeschool mom and the kids are all around. How can I get the gospel out? Don't worry about it. God will bring people to your door maybe. Verse 4, that I may make it clear. That's a sermon right there. Make it clear. And I'll come back to that. In the way I ought to speak. So he's saying not only open up a door for me, but also in the context of. That I would speak it clearly, the gospel, the mystery of Christ, clearly. Now again, with your pens, if you go back here to the passage, it says here, as I ought to speak. Would you circle the word speak in there? That I may make it clear as I ought to speak. So in other words, it's not just a life. It's also one where that we have to speak the gospel. Most of you know that Carol and I, um, we brought with us here to the islands years ago, the ministry called Make It Clear. That has been our ministry since 1973. That's how old that ministry is. The primary purpose of that ministry is resourcing people with material, radio, as well as some of my outside speaking uh, uh, opportunities. Now, when we came to the island, we basically shut that ministry into a holding mode because we needed to really spend our time building relationships and really kind of seeing where our church is going. Now, we're not reigniting that ministry but at the same time, this church really needed to have a radio program that would take it to a broader audience. We were on at 30 minutes on an AM station on Sunday night. Who in the world listens to an AM station on Sunday night? You know, maybe you do, so I better be careful. So they asked if we would go on KGU. Well, the church didn't have it in their budget to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are things. There's, there's always going to be more ministries, and we have money, bodies, and bucks to do. But Make It Clear had that opportunity. So we launched that radio ministry on KGU, 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday. Most of you or some of you listen to that. The devotional booklet that you find in your gift bags that we give out here, all of that comes through Make It Clear. Now, I'm not doing this for a fundraising thing. I'm doing it because I'm committed through that ministry and especially this church that I will take God's word. And before I make it clear, I want to be make it correct. I want to make sure that I'm correct. And then when I do, I want to make it clear. But if I make it clear, I also want to be compassionate. But if I want to be compassionate, I don't want to be kind of a sissy about it. I want to be courageous about this thing. But I don't want to just, you know, be correct, be clear, be compassionate, be courageous. I also want to be consistent. So when I do speak in front of people, one-on-one or crowds or radio, TV, whatever, that it could be trusted. Now, I want to give a back door. I'm still learning. I'm still growing in God's word. But here's where I'm coming to you. Would you pray that I'd be bold? Would you pray that God would open up doors for me to be able to speak the gospel and I would make it clear when I do? And here's what you have for me. I'm going to pray that you're going to be bold. And I'm going to pray that God, as he opens doors, you will, with a note of confidence, not in yourself, but in God, walk through that door and with correctness and clarity, courage and compassion, consistently speak that message of the gospel. So again, number one is boldness. Number two is opportunities. And number three is clarity. I said enough about that, so I think you know where we're going on the clarity issue, how important that is. Let me go to the second of three questions. The second question is, what, does, what part does social action play in meeting the needs of others? I wanted to put this in the series called When Others Need Prayer because it seems like when someone goes through a problem, we either throw prayers for the person... And then it's uh, be warmed and filled, and we let them walk out the door. Then you have others that do a little bit of praying, and all they want to do is throw money, throw food, throw tents, throw everything they can at these people, thinking that that's going to help them.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.